Well, today we are continuing with a sermon series that we started last week. So if you missed it last week, um, I can encourage you to chase up or to catch up last week you can, or with last week's message. You can find that on YouTube or on the podcast. But throughout this series, we're going to be looking at how we embrace the story of Jesus's transformation on our lives. Um, All of us have different stories. All of our lives are different to one another. But when we meet Jesus, we all share with the same true story as one another. Um, We were all once lost, but now we are found. We were all broken, but now through Jesus' love for us, we've been restored. We have all encountered and received the wonderful love and grace of Jesus. This is my story. This is our story. And as we will see, um, uh, and as we heard last week, this is Saul's story as well. Over these next four, over a course of four weeks, we're going to be looking at Saul's encounter of Jesus in Acts chapter 9 together. And uh, Saul's a fascinating guy. Saul started out with a mission to destroy the church. Um, until one day he was walking along the road on the way to Damascus when he met with Jesus. And that moment completely transformed his life. In a few moments' time, we're going to pick up Saul's story where we left it last week um, as we continue to read Acts 9 together. So if you've got your Bibles, you might want to grab those. Um, But we're also going to use this opportunity to hear some of the stories that I heard whilst I was on sabbatical um, for those of you who may not be familiar, I've just been um, in, on my sabbatical for three months visiting one of our link missionaries in Thailand for part of that time. And today we're going to hear Yat's story of how Jesus has been working in her life in rural Thailand. I had a pain in my chest, it's like a disease. I went to see the doctor and she says just... Uh, and then the pain is like a chopping pain. And then went to the temple. And then met... Uh, oh, met Pakrao, Pakrao uh, brought in to know uh, the Christians and then she prayed for it and they went to the white church. Uh, how the Jesus changed uh, my life, the changing from me that I gave up all my uh, worship, the idols, and I took all my omelets and everything, the idols. And, uh, Oh, well, you know, we still uh, sins. We are li- still live in the flesh. Well, sometimes that people will come to ask for money, and then, and then what, what about motivations? What to help? We not make a marriage, so it's a separate Uh, Later on that my husband got cancer and then uh, came to faith and then uh, God healed his cancer and when he died, he did not die of cancer, he died because of the other disease. 
จนทุกวันนี้เราแต่ก่อนนี้เราเคยพูดที่ไม่ดีเล่นการพนันเนาะคนเดียวก็เล่นได้เนาะจะไล่ I was แต่ gambling but uh, and and with the encourage uh, me not to do that and I stopped uh, people came to my house one day I said I'm not going to play anymore and I got sipping and I stopped a lot uh, but still uh, but I'm so glad thank you Lord yeah been been kind been great and then uh, encouraging her And I all that uh, I uh, learn from Vitya or the, the words of wisdom or teaching, I just pass it on to my families. So all that the clips or any uh, the the text of the Christian messages uh, that I have received from Ajahn Wit or Helen, I just pass it on to my family up until now. I like to thank God for that. I thank you, Jesus, for that. That's Yat's story, that since she met Jesus, Jesus has changed her life, and she has never looked back ever since. And as we look at this passage together this morning, we're going to see that this is true of all of our stories. It's true for not only Yat, but it was also true for Saul, and what's true for both of them can also be true for each one of us as we encounter Jesus for ourselves. So I'm going to pray. We're then going to read uh, God's Word together, and then we're going to spend some time looking at um, this passage um, in Acts chapter 9 together as well. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that you are uh, for who you are, for all that you have done in our lives and have done throughout the world. Um, and Lord, we pray that as we look at this passage together this morning, that the, your word would become uh, alive and true in each of our hearts and our minds and our souls this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you'd like to uh, turn with me, we're going to read today from Acts chapter 9, and we're going to pick up from verse 10 and then go through to uh, verse 19, uh, or the first half of verse 19 together. And if you don't have your Bibles, the words will be up on the screen so you can follow along as we read together. So in Damascus, uh, where Saul had just been trying to get to, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, 
he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul, oh no, that's where we're stopping there, at the end, that part of verse 19. There we go. <coughs> Pardon me. When we left Saul, or Saul last week, he was in a pretty bleak place. He'd been humbled, he was left blind, unable to finish off the journey. He had to ask for his friends to pick him up and take him and lead him into Damascus to be able to finish uh, what he had started. He'd been humbled, he was blind, he needed help. But even in his moment of humility, Saul had taken his first steps in obedience to following Jesus and as he went where Jesus had told him to go. Today we pick up the story with Saul already in Damascus. He's been bunked up for three days in the house of Judas on Straight Street. It's likely that Saul already had a number of friends in and connections in Damascus before he went to Damascus. And so it's likely that Judas was already someone Saul already knew and he decided um, to help out his friend and give him a room um, in his time of need. But what really fascinates me as we pick up this story is that Saul is sat in Judas's living room and we're told that he's deep in prayer in verse 11. As a highly respected Pharisee, Saul would have been no stranger to prayer. He would, have been in reg he would have regularly proclaimed how he kept the law and how he prayed faithfully and did all the stuff that God expected him to do as a good and law-abiding Pharisee. We even, but we even heard Jesus talk about how the Pharisees prayed in one of his parables. Um, if you want to turn with me to Luke 18, um, I think the words might come up on the screen as well. Uh, Jesus taught this about people like Saul. Two men went to the temple to pray, Jesus said, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. If there was such a parable for Saul, then surely this would have been it. Saul may have been blinded on his road to Damaeus, but as he prayed in Judas's living room, his vision could have not been clearer. Sitting in Judas's home, Saul was undoubtedly praying like he'd never prayed before. He'd met Jesus and no longer was he exalting himself and proclaiming how good and how righteous he was, 
but instead he'd encountered the amazing grace of Jesus as we talked about last week. That in his humility, he was still loved. In his brokenness, he'd been forgiven. In his sinfulness, he had received mercy. I would have loved to have listened to Paul pray as he was sat in Judas's uh, living room on Straight Street. Undoubtedly, he would have prayed for forgiveness for the things he'd done. He'd have surely asked for forgiveness for, for persecuting Jesus and his church. I'm sure that he would have been praying for wisdom for what to do next. And of course, tangibly, he would have wanted to be able to see again and pray for healing for his sight. But above all else, I think Saul would have been praying with a heart full of worship and with adoration. He'd just met with Jesus. He'd had an encounter with the risen Son of God. The light of the world had shone into his eyes and into the darkness of his soul. When I, met with, when I meet up with some good friends, my mood is lifted as I enjoy their time and, I, and spend my time in their company. And I want to spend as much time with them as I possibly can. And if that's what good friends can do for our, our, our souls and for our lives, then just imagine what it must be like to be in the presence of God. To have had an encounter with Jesus on the road of Damascus, you couldn't just want to keep it to that one moment. You want to continue to stay in the presence of Jesus and encounter him more and more. From that moment on the road to Damascus, soul, Saul's life was changed. It was transformed by encountering the presence of the living God as Jesus shone his light into his life. But Saul didn't just want to spend that one fleeting moment on the road to Damascus in the presence of God. He wanted to remain there. And so he turned to God in prayer. How Saul's life had been changed. Just a few verses earlier, a couple of days earlier, he'd been breathing murderous threats against the church, and now he's focused in prayer, full of adoration and worship because he met Jesus. When we encounter Jesus, we get a fresh revelation of prayer. Prayer is no longer about sitting around in a circle with our eyes closed telling God what we want him to do. But instead, prayer is about re-engaging, reconnecting, and encountering afresh the presence of Jesus, who each one of us have had the privilege of being able to meet. Prayer leads us into a new relationship with God, a place of humility and of wonder, a place where we draw near to God through Jesus by the leading of his spirit dwelling within us. And as we pray, our lives are then changed. We are changed from hate to love, from doubt to faith, from pride to humility, just as Saul's life was changed. And notice how prayer in this passage is central to all that happened in Saul's transformation in this passage. Ananias went to Saul because he was praying and God gave him a vision to go. 
As Saul prayed, he saw Ananias coming and placing his hands on him and healing his sight. Prayer runs through it all. When we encounter Jesus, our lives change. But prayer has to be at the center of that transformation. That's why on every Sunday we have to pray for those who want it after our services. That's why tonight we'll be gathering together to pray together as a church at 7 o'clock. And I'd love to, again, invite you to come and join us. Not because it's a job to do, but because it's an opportunity to come together into the presence of Jesus. This is why we encourage everyone in our church to spend time throughout the week in prayer with Jesus. Because through prayer, things begin to change, yes. But through prayer, we enter into the presence of Jesus. How have you encountered the presence of Jesus in prayer? When was the last time you spent time in his presence? When was the last time you prayed that great prayer of humility that Jesus taught in his parable, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner? Our story is not just consumed with when we first encountered Jesus once upon a time, but our story is that we are in a living relationship with Jesus, the risen Son of God, who we can all go enter into the presence of today. So how might you live that story out? How has that been your story? How might we share this story with those around us? How might you invite people into that story that they too might encounter the presence of Jesus for themselves? Prayer was the starting point of the change that happened as Saul sat in Judas's living room. But there was another phase that needed to be taken up, and that was dependent on Ananias being an agent of change in Saul's life. In many ways, Ananias is one of the most unsung heroes in the whole of the Bible. Um, he, uh, Saul went on to become the Apostle Paul, his legacy sort of speaks for itself. He wrote most of the New Testament. He planted churches here, there, and everywhere. He's arguably the greatest agent of change the Christian faith has ever seen. Saul became Paul, became a bit of a legend. Ananias, no one's really ever heard of before. We, in fact, don't really know that much about Ananias. But we're not all called to be the Apostle Paul. Jesus doesn't call us all to be a chosen instrument as he did with Saul, as he revealed to Ananias that Saul would be. But we can all be agents of change, just like Ananias is in this passage. So the question for us today is, what does it look like to be agents of change as we live out our story with Jesus today? Well, firstly, to be an agent of change, we need to be, and you won't be surprised from what I've already been talking about, agents of prayer. We don't know much about Ananias, but one thing we do know is that he was a man of prayer. We know that he was a Jewish Christian who was still liked and respected by the Jews in Damascus. Uh, that's what we're told in Acts 22. But we also know that he was a man of prayer. He was attentive to what God was saying as he gave him a vision 
And then he spoke to God and had it out with him, saying, I don't really want to go over there, but if you say I'll go, then okay, I'll go. Ananias is then introduced to us in verse 10 as a disciple. Ananias was recognized as being someone who was a follower of Jesus. But for being a follower of Jesus was not just a title that Ananias sort of like said, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. But it was actually something that he put into practice as well. It was a title that went into action. Where God told him to go, he was willing to go. If we are going to be agents of change, then we too need to be willing to listen and to hear God's command, yeah, but then we also need to be willing to go, to be a disciple, to follow where he is calling us to go. Being willing to go, therefore, means that we also need to be people of faith. Ananias, quite understandably, was reluctant to go and see Saul in, his, in Judas's house. This was Saul who had just been spewing out murderous threats about him and his friends. How could Ananias possibly know that he had really changed? He had to put his faith in Jesus as he went to be an agent of change in Saul's life. And finally, Ananias was an agent of change by being the face of God's grace to Saul. As he walked into Judas's living room, Ananias didn't keep his distance from Saul and say, oh, Anon, what's he going to do to me now? He didn't hold all that Saul had done against him and try and um, judge him and work out whether he was authentic first. He didn't make him earn his trust. Instead, he just walked in, placed his hand on Saul, and then said these incredibly powerful words, brother Saul. You could preach a whole sermon just on that phrase alone. Ananias recognized that Saul had changed. He'd had a new father. Through Jesus, he had encountered his heavenly father, the God who longs for us to call him Abba, my father, had revealed himself to Saul just as he'd revealed himself to Ananias. In calling Saul brother, Ananias also recognizes that they are one. They are no longer both right or, or right or wrong. They're no longer adversaries. They're no longer enemies. Instead, they're brothers united together through their heavenly father. As Ananias welcomes Saul as his brother, he welcomes him into the wider church family just by that one greeting, brother Saul. Ananias was quite possibly the first Christian who met Saul since his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was con Saul had been consumed with hate for all Christians, but now he meets a Christian face to face, and his brother, and he comes to him, and he puts his hands on him and says, Brother, He's embraced by the very people who he previously wanted to kill. Ananias was the face of God's grace to Saul. Ananias had already met Jesus. He'd already been transformed. But as, we, as, as he followed Jesus, he put his discipleship into action. 
And he stepped out in faith that he might be an agent of change. As we go about living our stories for Jesus, how has God used us to be agents of his change just as he did with Ananias? Where have we been moved from prayer into action? Where have we stepped out of our comfort zone and put our faith in Jesus? How has God used you to be the face of his grace to those around you? This week, how might you be the face of God's grace to those around you? As Ananias went to Saul, Saul embraced the change that was then offered to him. Ananias laid his hands on him and prayed for him, and Saul was then filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the greatest gift that any of us can receive as we put our faith in Jesus. The very presence of God entering and overflowing within our lives. The Spirit leads and guides. He nurtures and restores. He heals and he empowers us. As he comes into our lives, we are transformed by the power of the Spirit moving in us and leading us into the likeness of our Heavenly Father. As the Holy Spirit comes upon Saul, things like scales start to fall from his eyes. He who was blind was able to see. All that was distorting his vision is removed. There's an image here of cleansing, of letting go, of being restored, of being changed. Not only is Saul cleansed and restored, but he then gets up and he's baptized. In Acts 22, Paul recounts how Ananias healed his sight and told him what God was going to do through his life as he followed Jesus. And then Ananias turned round to Saul and said this, And now, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Embracing the change that Jesus makes in our lives is seen in the act of baptism. Baptism is a public declaration of faith. It's a symbol of new life that we found in Jesus. It's an act of repentance, of restoration, and the grace of God breaking into our lives, washing away the power of our sin and our shame. As we share our story, how are we embracing the change that God is bringing into our lives? One of the phrases that I sensed God saying to me whilst I was away on sabbatical for our church was to fan the flames of the Spirit. You'll hear me talking a lot about this over the coming weeks and months, but how is the Spirit of God working in our lives? How can we fan the flames of his Spirit and let the fire burn within us and within his church? How has Jesus changed your life? What new things have you seen? Where have you sensed his cleansing and his restoration in your life? If you've been baptized, what led to you making that decision? If you've not been baptized yet and you've met Jesus, then can I be as bold as Ananias and say back to you what he said to the apostles or to, to Saul? What are you waiting for?
Would you consider getting baptized today or if you've not previously been baptized? If you've met with Jesus and you'd like to explore baptism, then please do come and speak to me. I'd love to talk to you some more about that. Jesus has changed my life. Jesus has changed Yat's life. Jesus changed Saul's life. And Jesus can change your life too. The details of the transformation in our lives may all be different, but the story is the same for all of us who follow Jesus. And that offer is open to each and every one of us. One thing's for sure is that as Jesus entered and transformed Saul's life, he never looked back. To quote Saul as he wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote this, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as through God we are making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is Saul's story and that is is our story too. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that we have the privilege of being able to come into your presence, to see you, to meet you for who you are. And Lord, even as we gather together here in this space, we once again pray that your spirit would be moving amongst us and that we might be aware of your presence here as we gather together this morning. Jesus, we praise you for the way that you have changed our lives. And we declare again that we want to live our lives for you. As we enter into your presence, would you help us to be your disciples? May we put our faith into action and be your agents of change throughout this world. May we embrace all that you are doing in our lives. And may we continue to praise you because of what, the way that you have changed us already. But Lord, as we continue to live our lives for you, one thing we pray is that you will continue to fan the fire of your spirit moving and working within our lives, within our church, within our community and throughout this world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.